The Hamburg Citizens Kindergarten was the product of a new form of women's social reformist activism. The core group of Hamburg activists was an interreligious community of Jewish and Christian women, many of whom were members of the dissenting German Catholic uh, congregation. They had opened and supported the kindergarten in the Social Association for the Reconciliation of Confessional Differences. Johanna Goldschmidt, chairwoman of the association, invited Frederick Frubel, founder of the kindergarten, to set up a seminar to train new kindergarten teachers in March, 1849. Between 1849 to 1850, six kindergartens were founded by the network of female activists. In 1852, 70 children were also enrolled in a kindergarten opened by the Women's Association for Poor Relief, an association whose membership overlapped with the social association. Hamburg is emblematic of a larger trend. Dissenting women's associations with connections to leading liberals and Democrats mobilized the kindergarten across the German Confederation in ways that Frederick Frubel alone could not. In Dresden, for example, Augusta Hertz, chair of the Democratic Women's Association, opened the first kindergarten in the city in 1849 as part of the Education Association. Similarly, in Breslau, the dissenting Christian Catholic Women's Association opened a kindergarten in the city. An article on the Breslau kindergarten argued that the institute was necessary to bring individuals of different classes together. Quote, the finely dressed child who had initially shied away from, the, from touching the hand of the proletarian child soon saw only his own kind in him, end quote. These two examples illuminate something that the Prussian and Saxon state officials took note of in August, 1851. The kindergarten was an institute mobilized by political and religious dissenters for the sake of revolutionary change. For these activists, a new model of education shaped by freedom, play and curiosity opened the doors for a new kind of, of political engagement. In today's presentation, I focus on the women in Hamburg that mobilized this institution as a project to create a new pluralistic and free society. The women in this discussion, Johanna Goldschmidt, Emily Wustenfeld, Bertha Traun, and Charlotte Paulson, recognized the potential that the kindergarten had not only to create a pluralistic society based, uh, based on religious freedom, but also as a location that employed and educated women outside of traditional institutions. I'm interested here in analyzing the language that women use to shape their activism and the emotional communities they moved in. Emotional communities, historian Barbara Rosenwein wrote, are similar to other existing communities such as families, parliaments, and schools because they also contained their own set of moral, political, and social expectations and forms of bonds. These spaces also enabled activists to discuss and implement ideas for social change that required shaping and utilizing emotional language and feelings. In this way, these spaces also provide a kind of refuge. Historian William Reddy defined these spaces of emotional refuge as areas in which, quote, norms are relaxed or even reversed. Mental control efforts may be temporarily set aside. Effective connections, otherwise illicit, may be established, even celebrated, end quote. These spaces can take place in private, let, uh, private letters, carnivals, and brotherhoods. These spaces do at times have the potential to threaten the existing emotional regime that lay the foundation for political regimes. Dissenting congregations were by definition sites of opposition and emotional refuge that discuss the necessity of love, freedom, and self-cultivation. 
the kindergarten was mobilized and developed within this space in order to construct a new society. Within these spaces as well, we can trace a history of interreligious partnership, a history of activism, and new understandings of the self that mobilize these women. This helps us unpack and examine another history of the 1848 revolutionary era in Central Europe that is largely neglected in historiography. Namely, this unearths the new language and emotions of politics and how it affected activists and ideas of society. My presentation is divided into two sections. First, I examine the creation of a new emotional community within the religious dissenting circles. Here I examine, or here a new understanding of women's potential for social and cultural reform was promoted as a vital source of protest against established officials. The language of love enabled activists to imagine a new ideal of women's activism. I then turn to the second section, which focuses on the history of activism that these women engaged in. In particular, we can see how these women took this language and added another meaning to it. The dissenting German Catholic congregation established a new rhetoric and space for women's activism. In congregations, the congregation emerged during a period of increasing conflict within the Catholic Church in the German Confederation. Radical religious reformers argued about the, about the individual rights of priests, the spread of irrational superstition, and the need to combat the growing authority of the Vatican in everyday church life. These reformers were caught in the growing conflict between the Vatican and the Prussian state. During the 1830s and early 1840s, this conflict was particularly strong in the Rhineland, where mixed marriages between Catholics and Protestants, the debate on priestly celibacy, and the overriding authority of Rome took center stage. These conflicts spread into other Catholic areas. In 1843, the Pope's dismissal of the Bishop of Breslau, Count Leopold von Sedlinski, who supported the Crown's position in the mixed marriage conflict in Cologne, led to public outcry on the dominating power of the Vatican in state affairs. For Johannes Ronga, a former Catholic priest and the charismatic founder of the congregation, his anger at what he called the Roman hierarchy would only continue. The 1844 popular pilgrimage to the Holy Robe in Tyr, a robe that was believed to have been worn by Jesus at his death, highlighted the moral corruption of the church. For Ranga, religious rationalists and liberals, the pilgrimage was complete nonsense as much as it was an open abuse of the people. Ranga denounced the pilgrimage in an open letter. With this, he also called for a new form of spiritual development and education. This is one of the key ideals within Ranga's German Catholic congregation founded in February 1845 in Breslau. The new congregation established a plan to return humanity to a godly essence set around love and nature. As he wrote, quote, in the free Christian church, man is not believed to be corrupted by nature through original sin but is recognized as pure and good by nature. The task is to bring this dignity to his consciousness, to perfect him and to bring him to union with God through the life of love. So that humanity may be reborn by the power of inner faith, of the knowledge of truth and by the fire of love so that humanity may understand itself as living in God, necessarily and yet freely acting in world affairs and live the divine life of truth, freedom and love." End quote. Ranga unleashed a new rhetoric and meaning on political and emotional ideals of love. Love was, according to Ranga, an, 
element necessary in the progressive growth of humanity and nations. This aspect of love is not just seen with Ranga. Heinrich Thiel, a member of the German Catholic congregation, also wrote about the power of love in 1846. Love for Thiel defined the movement. Love cultivated the spirit, was vital in religiosity, and gave birth to freedom. As he wrote, quote, the freedom of man as a human being in the concept of Christianity, his equality, his basis in love, is expressed as complete freedom of reason and consciousness. This freedom is applied to all church members, he continued, but in practice, this is denied in both Protestantism and Catholicism. Thiel elaborated, elaborated on a basis of love, a love principle and a band of love that guided the work of the German Catholics. These concepts were all connected. Love and care were at the heart of their understanding for the welfare of the poor in comparison to the coldness seen in traditional practices of charity, of Christian charity, sorry. In the schools, love was the principal guiding education in comparison to the terror that was used as a pedagogical method against children and students. Thiel emphasized, quote, the beatings always belong to an educational level that is closer to their own and therefore completely submissive to the despotism of sensuous and external nature, end quote. A band of love emerged as a contagion within the community and would spread beyond it. With good deeds and good works, the German Catholics sought to highlight through love the ways to subvert the traditional authority system of the state and church. Love was able to preach freedom and self-development in comparison to what Thiel saw was an authoritarian backward superstition preached by the church in order to weaken the public. Women maintained a special position here. Their bodies were the thermometer in which freedom was measured. It was also these bodies that would mobilize these bands of love. For the community, they highlighted a way to shape themselves in opposition to the past and the traditional forces of the church. Ranga's 1845 sermon in front of 15,000 people in Munsakirsha in Ulm highlight, highlights this clearly. Quote, the reformation of the 19th century loosens the seal of the free exercise of the female sex on public life and on the whole. Women should not be confined solely to their family. They should direct their gaze to, to community life. And as in a larger family, help create and work. And they should look out into the still larger circle of the nation and educate and strengthen sacred enthusiasm for the welfare and salvation in the youth. And this was quoted, uh, this was a quote taken from Sylvia Palachek's um, excellent study on women and descent. The language of love and freedom articulated by Ranga and the German Catholics took, an, took on a particular meaning when mobilized by women. For certain women like Emily Wustenfeld and Bertha Traun, love and freedom were the foundational basis of a particularly womanly mission. Both passionately understood the German Catholic cause as one that blended women's activism, religiosity, and political awareness. On December 12, 1846, they participated in the founding of the Hamburg Women's Association to support the German Catholics for the specific purposes of raising financial funds for the congregation. The Hamburg Senate proclaimed that only when the congregation can prove financial independence could it be recognized by the state. With this in mind, the women of the congregation came together seeing this as a great opportunity to prove themselves. The Hamburg chapter was just one of many that had opened following the spread of the German Catholic congregation. Between 1845 and 1851, Approximately 35 dissenting women's associations were established throughout the German Confederation. 
The women's association differed from traditional female philanthropic associations. Traditionally, women's associations were created by upper-class elites, the charitable religiously oriented institutions like Theodore Fliedner's Institution for Deaconesses also allowed a unique space for women's activism. Deaconesses were given practical and spiritual instruction to care for the poor in poor houses and hospitals. All correspondences went through Fliedner, not through women. The patriarchal family was imitated within the structure with Fliedner's uh, authority at the top. <clears throat> In Hamburg, a model of charitable works led by Emilia Sebeking provided women with another option. Sebeking was a member of the prominent Hamburg elite and had created a new women's philanthropic organization that emphasized the importance of upper-class women in assisting the poor and lower classes. Created on May 23, 1832, the Women's Association for the Care of the Poor and Sick focused on visiting the homes of the poor to provide material and spiritual guidance. Every visit included prayer and Bible reading. There were no opportunities to train women for work, nor were schools open for children. Sebi King maintained control of her association and did not introduce any democratic processes. The dissenting Hamburg Women's Association provided an alternative to Sebi King's. While their first goal was to, financially, to, was to financially support the German Catholic religious community, it was also expected to provide a space for social work and spiritual development. Welfare and educational opportunities went hand in hand with holding lectures and opening up a library. The new association was also explicitly open to all women, regardless of confessional identity. As early as 1847, the association debated opening up a women's training institute for lower class women to prepare them for employment. Religious freedom, tolerance, as well as social reform were the goals of this association that went beyond the German Catholic congregation. The Hamburg, the Hamburg Association also developed in a way that reflected its special diverse context. The interreligious partnership that developed among religious nonconformists and liberals during the movement for Jewish emancipation in the city were brought into the association after the congregation received state recognition on March 31st, 1848. After this date, the association transferred, transformed its focus to embrace humane goals and other movements for freedom and rights. In particular, this was the result of a network of both Christian and Jewish activists that had come together to mobilize a distinctive maternalist style of politics. For women such as Johanna Goldschmidt and Charlotte Paulson, who joined the association during this period, Childcare and women's education were vital for any kind of social reform and welfare. Here, the kindergarten and Froebel's plan for women's education were adapted to fit into this wider movement for social change. Focusing on these women's biographies will expose more clearly the ways religious outsiders and new ideas of women's education and ideas of love shaped how these individuals shaped these individuals' activism. In an important way, space is dedicated to religious dissent provided a lot of areas of partnership, and from here, the creation of a new emotional community. Johanna Goldschmidt and Charlotte Paulson both helped elaborate and develop an ideal of political and social motherhood throughout the city. Goldschmidt was an activist for Jewish emancipation. She was the daughter of the merchant Marcus Hertz Schwabe and was raised within the wealthy reform Jewish circles in the city. Her father was one of the founders of the Hamburg Reform Temple in 1818 and was given 
private religious lesson from the Jewish reformer Edward Clay, the founder of the Israelite Free School. Goldschmidt's activism prioritized the position of mothers as teachers. The symbolic relationship between a mother and child appears throughout her 1847 work, Rebecca and Amelia. In this collection of fictional letters between a middle-class Jewish woman and a wealthy Gentile noblewoman, Goldschmidt provided the reader with an opportunity to read a dialogue between two women who discussed the importance of women's education and individual cultivation, Jewish emancipation, integrating Jews into civic society, and the role of motherhood. Goldschmidt's book was widely praised by other dissenting women. Emilia Westerdorf, Bertha Traun's sister, approached Goldschmidt after reading her book, uh, after reading her book, inspired by her call for sisterhood. She appealed to Goldschmidt to join them in the movement for freedom. Goldschmidt became a central member of the board of directors of the Women's Association to support the German Catholics, promoting, women, uh, promoting women's education and training. Charlotte Paulson joined in the association in 1849. Paulson was critical of traditional Christianity. She did not believe in an, in an immortal soul. She also followed Frederick David Strauss's, or sorry, David Frederick Strauss's idea that the life of Jesus was a myth and studied Ludwig Feuerbach who saw religion as a form of anthropology. For Sebi King, these views were unacceptable and dangerous from working to help the poor. Paulson nonetheless found a space for social engagement in the Pestalozzi Foundation founded in 1845. The association was dedicated to uplifting lower class children who quote, live in conditions that give rise to fears of moral neglect, end quote. In 1849, she founded the Women's Association for Poor Relief, which was dedicated not only to opening up schools and um, educating women and children, but also opening up kindergartens. Wustenfeld, Goldschmidt and Traun gained experience in activism from the movement from, for Jewish emancipation in the city. Emilia Wustenfeld and her husband, Julius, were founding members of the Society for the Social and Political Interests of Jews. The association founded in 1845 was a collection of Jewish and Christian Hamburg residents, including Hamburg Jewish reformers and pedagogues, Anton, Anton Rie, Gottfried Solomon, and Meyer Isler. The association strove not only to promote the social and political interests and rights of Jewish men and women, but also educational and employment opportunities for those who suffered discrimination from the restrictive policies of the exclusive merchant and guild culture. The women of the, of the, of the association sorry, initiated a program that emphasized the need to direct funds to helping uplift Jewish women in particular. Among Wustenfeld's archive documents um, was an undated amendment to this association, uh, to this uh, association's plan, which called for um, relocating funds to support young Jewish women. As the amendment sta uh, states, little or nothing at all has been done for the female part of the, the Hamburg Jewish community. When the years of school life were over, the girls were mostly left to themselves and their parents in sight or to the guidance of those closest to them and no hand was offered to help them find their way through life, end quote. Activists that supported Jewish emancipation in the city gained valuable training in implementing women's education for greater projects of social reform and also creating lasting relationships that continued throughout the various associations founded by these women. The two religious reform 
the two religious reform and dissent movements came together in April 25, 1848 in Johanna Goldschmidt's home to establish the Social Association for the Reconciliation of Confessional Differences. The members included the board members of the Women's Association to Support the German Catholics, along with the leading Jewish reformers, Anton and Emma Rie, Emma and Meyer Isler, and Edward Klei. The association was founded as a way, to, as a way for women in particular to establish an interreligious partnership to fight anti-Jewish prejudice. The association itself was inspired by Goldschmidt's Rebecca and Amelia's uh, pamphlet. As she wrote in the pamphlet, just think, if some association of excellent women were created, headed by nobles, commoners, Protestants, Catholics, and Israelites, end quote. Goldschmidt, was, Goldschmidt had created a space within her writing where women embraced an emotional, social, and public femininity that promoted women's education, as well as open, open discussion on the political and social issues, such as anti-Semitism, religious and national freedom, and political reform. Goldschmidt provided concrete plans and organization. This would be for the cultivated women of all religious confessions who could use their Sundays and holidays to lift and ennoble their quote unquote, uneducated sisters. Goldschmidt called for lectures, discussions on the major life questions and even singing. In this way, the association also was able to provide a location to develop women's spirituality with a new understanding of religiosity that moved away from established churches and synagogues. Goldschmidt wrote that this would be, quote, worthy step towards emancipation because mothers would recognize that it only takes a pious believing mind to be mild and good and that the faith lives just as powerfully in us, whether we believe in God, the father or in the son or in the blessed mother of the father, end quote. The topic of women's emancipation and women's participation in the movement for social change was widely discussed among these women. Wistenfeld tackled the issue head on when she delivered her pamphlet, The Importance of Social Striving for Contemporary Women to the Social Association. She opened with a discussion about the issues facing the current period, particularly the construction of a free and new society. In order to achieve this new society, Wistenfeld went into detail about the need to build a harmonious community that embraced the particular feminine spirit. Women of all faiths maintained an important spiritual essence that had to be cultivated due to the quote unquote, particular uh, position of the female gender in these different confessions. Women, she stated, have been left out of the major events going on in their society. The root problem of this situation was that the gender role was the gender roles attributed to women. A woman she claimed confined all her feelings and thoughts to her home. Her duties and responsibilities only circle around that one space. Wistenfeld claimed that this was a false sense of femininity that forced women only to worry about their husband, child, and house. Quote, consider the wants of the hamburger women during this great period, the choice to free and unite the spirit, end quote. This was a call to education and self-development. Through this, a form of through this was a form of emancipation for society as a whole. She continued, "Quote: We would, through this pursuit, lay the groundwork for the emancipation of our sex in the most beautiful meaning of the world, of the word." End quote. What I have shown here so far are the ways that two religious reformist uh, and emancipatory-minded communities came together. The space for religious freedom and for dissenting German. The space for religious freedom for dissenting German Catholics encouraged partnership with an already developing community 
of interreligious activism for Jewish emancipation in the city. The language of reform was directed largely to the work of women as well to build this pluralistic society, one that these women also actively shaped themselves through lectures and fundraising and the creation of training schools for women. Following the Hamburg Senate's proclamation emancipating Hamburg Jews in February 1849, the Social Association had decided to promote the spread to promote and spread the kindergarten as an ideal site to continue their activist goals of, change, of creating a new society. What follows, however, is not conflict-free. The ideal of the kindergarten was to educate and cultivate a new pluralistic society based on women's supposed special mission. However, how much education, training, and pay was required for these women? What does this kind of work lead to? Should this come before the establishment of schools? In many cases, this doesn't sound much like a conflict. However, for many conservatives and liberals, this could lead to a path of women losing their supposed natural essence, the destruction of the family and sexual chaos. The lack of formal religious lessons as well threatened the social fabric and were dangerous not only to children, but especially to women. As the famous German educational reformer Adolf Diesterweg wrote on his review of the training schools for kindergarten teachers in Hamburg, quote, it is possible that radical or fanatical, or it is possible that radical or fanatical followers of the of the free community, uh, the dissenting religious communities, will throw their students into a sea of doubts and scruples, which require a force to overcome and independently resolve that one can hardly expect from any of the ten young women. End quote. The schools, the training schools were also also posed a special threat, he continued, to be used by blue stocking women, um, those who supported full political, social and economic equality with men, otherwise known as feminists. To conservatives, the kindergarten itself posed a larger political threat. This was a space mobilized and supported by liberals and Democrats who saw the, institute, uh, the institution as a nursery for the future. The kindergarten was, as the Berlin police president Karl von Hinkeldei wrote, a nursery of destruction. This all illuminates, however, a vital point that I make clear in this presentation. The kindergarten was mobilized and utilized by a new kind of women's activism. It highlights the new spaces for political protest and a site to demand change. This was a new, this was a new language of politics and understanding of the self that emerged during the revolutionary 1840s. Thank you.